Hello there. We're trying to keep Coral Chihuahua going, and so we draw your attention to the possibility of listening to us on Patreon for just a few quid a month. This also magically gets rid of the ads. That's Patreon with an E, patreon.com forward slash Coral Chihuahua. On with the app. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Stand up with one day as <laughs> Party! <laughs> I think the, the echoes are getting more and um, more pantomime-like. Look, we're here. We're actually met. It's the first time since early summer. Yeah, we've actually same. been in the same room. I think we did downline, but that doesn't count, does it? Not the same. No. And we've made it. Eamon, tell us where we are. We are in uh, the Sixteens offices. Uh, so very many thanks to Emily Crew uh, for letting us be here today. Yeah, and we're uh, which is near St John Smith Square, just around the corner, and yeah. and the Thames. And look, you, you've got this itch you need to scratch, don't you? <laughs> Explain what we're going to hear about five seconds of now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's amazing the things that you can find on Spotify. And I just happened to um, type in a Christmas Chihuahua, and this is what we found. Hey, Tiller. Yeah? I wrote a song for Christmas. Okay. It's a good idea, too. Okay. I love this idea, and I think you will, too. Maybe. I know that I should be in a good mood. I should have a Christmas attitude But I just stepped in a tiny pile of poo Santa needs a Christmas chihuahua No, he does not Yes, he does That is not true That's a great idea No, it's not I want to give Santa a chihuahua Well, that's quite enough of that uh, Thanks, Eamon, for that and The reason Eamon might have come across that Was because we're now putting up Spotify playlists Apparently not something Apple really does um, Of the music that you can access on Spotify From each of the episodes So if you look up Christmas Chihuahua, you will come across both the Coral Chihuahua Christmas playlist and that song, which was sung by, I say sung, yeah. Edwin, Edwin Crane. Kane, because I thought it might be Ed Kane who used to be at York, but no, Edwin Kane, who's got 1.4 million listeners, which is 
more, I think, than Cordial. <laughs> <laughs> he does have a nice uh, uh, Chihuahua onesie in the photo that accompanies the yes. song. Yes. Sammy, say the words. Welcome to Coral Chihuahua. Renaissance French chanson, bluegrass style. Two, three, four. Mon I hope you noticed how we just beautifully ornamented that, made it uh, suitable for Christmas. Thanks again to George Dallas and the Archway Lightning Boys, wasn't it? Archway Lightning Mountain Boys? Anyway, and we're holding back his If You Love Me, um, played on the banjo uh, for, uh, for another episode. I'm you, completely lost. Well, what are you talking about? You should listen to Cora Chihuahua on occasion. <laughs> no. How would I do that? This is the, the jingle with... Uh, with um, the country and western version ah, of Lassus's Mon Coeur se recommande à vous. I'm lovely. Still don't know what you're talking about. No, good. <laughs> well, Eamon thought it sounded like a cross between Janneke and Dolly Parton, didn't you? That's something like that. Yeah, yeah. good. We're going to do some Christmas uh, music here. Uh, some of it a bit familiar, but nothing crazy, crazy familiar. <clears throat> Let's start with something jolly. This is Chanticleer. Chanticleer, should we say Chanticleer? Chanticleer. Chanticleer. West Coast uh, male voice group. There are two options to this. We could have played Aura Singers, very nice, S-A-T-B, but it's nice to hear a male voice group doing their stuff on occasion. Um, and this sort of comes out of the episode on fast music, the fast show. Nice. Uh, enjoying the um, Houses of Parliament um, motorbikes going past there, because <laughs> we're right next to the Houses of Parliament here. Because this is one of the pieces that we, we came up with as being a good, fast piece. I forget who suggested this. And the nice thing about this... Aka Jacob Collier and the Flintstones arrangement, if you haven't heard that, do go back to the Fast Show episode, uh, is that the harmony doesn't go where you expect it to. What do we feel about them throwing in Ryu Ryu Chiyu? Oh, a massive win. Uh, uh, yeah, a great. I really hate, you know how much I hate Ryu Ryu Chiyu. Well, <laughs> people might like to go back and listen to the episode that you and I recorded in Spain last year. Oh, that's right. And I think I managed to slip in a quick, very soupy Ryu Ryu Chiyu at the end. <sighs> anyway. Anyway, this is Stephen Samitz's arrangement of Gaudete, and it's not the Steel Ice Band version. Gaudete, 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 Christus estatus ex maria vigile, Gaudete, Gaudete,
as much as we would Stephen Sametz's arrangement of Gaudete sung by Chanticleer and uh, a couple of other carols thrown in there including Sammy's everyone knows Sammy's favourite Ryu Ryu Chiu just hate it so much <laughs> why? I, I don't know I think it's rubbish is that not enough reason? is it not because it's you know it's played in you're a man who spent time in, in Spain it's played in Spanish supermarkets and it's in... not that <laughs> I, just, I just think it's rubbish it's a rubbish tune and I've never enjoyed singing it. Is it the offbeat? Is it the off? Let's get down, folks. Let's get down to offbeat singing. Let's, let's get down to <laughs> let's get down to syncopation because choral syncopation can be a bit naff. I have to say, I don't think that is. No, but, that's good. Just um, the right side of smug, isn't it? <laughs> but you know, when we were choosing about which John Water Water please to play. One of the pieces you suggested was On the Way to Beth hyphen Lehem. Now, my mum used to have to go out the door every time John Rutter came on the, 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 the radio. But when I was enthusing about Rutter, as a small boy, uh, she said, I don't like things like On the Way to Bethlehem. And do you not think there's a danger with that kind of stuff that choirs do sing it in a very Bethlehem sort of way? Choirs aren't very good at being funky, are they? Which I think is, it's, it's, syncopation sound, can sound quite straight-laced and that doesn't do any favours, maybe. Exactly that. I think um, yeah, it's a question of it not trying to make it sure it doesn't sound twee. I think this is part of the problem that people have with English part songs as well, of that sort of, you know... Oh, uh, there we go. Victorian period. <laughs> <laughs> I just, hey, it's English part songs. OK, sorry. sorry. Let's go and have a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back when he's done. We'll just leave it recording, make him think of, that we can. Part of a 15-part series. <laughs> Which part songs were you? You think about 20th century part songs? I was, but early 20th century part songs. Moran. Moran, but also like Stanford and. But the, the Moran ones do say cooey pee wit to wit to woo, don't right. they? And that is now. But you're thinking of that Moran set, which, which aren't great. Is that Songs of Springtime? The Songs of Springtime, yeah. I think there's a couple of good ones in there. But Elgar and Stanford, you don't hear them very often these days because I think people think that they sound twee, and, but I don't think they are, but I think they're often sung in a fashion which, is, which make them sound more of their period than they actually are. Ghost Song of Mine, that's an absolute banger. Really symphonic texture, two altos, two basses, I think. Wonderful, wonderful piece. But I do remember sitting on the back row next to... Clang! There it was, in fact. <laughs> Roderick Williams. Uh, while we were... While we... Recorded uh, L- uh, some other part songs for the Finzi Singers, and one of them started in soprano thirds. What is that? And then the two bases. Uh, that's the owl. Nothing. What is that? Nothing. 
that was very difficult to get past. <laughs> <laughs> but if you, listen, if you look at things around the same time, Pathé News and that kind of stuff, it does sound dated now, doesn't it? Yeah. And we have to make sure, yeah. when you sing it, you have to make sure it's imbued with the right sort of sincerity that, that lands now. Which takes us on to Rutter, which is a piece you suggested. Lovely. Uh, you have offspring that sing. Indeed. I've got two offsprings. <laughs> um, why, why is that? Because, because I, I wonder whether that was in the Rutter choice. I'm not really. Oh, sorry. I thought it's difficult to have a choral Christmas choral podcast without John's music. And also I feel like I'm happy to go into bat for it being music of serious quality as opposed to the cynical view of it, which is that it's, it's a bit hackneyed and, and saccharine, which I don't think it is at all. What I've chosen is What's Sweeter Music, which I think is just one of those melodies that's so natural and as a breathable and it's accessible to singers and listeners alike. It's a beautifully crafted piece. It's written for kings, wasn't it? Um, for the, the Nine Lessons Commission that year. And I think I just think it's in its own little jewel-like way, it's a little masterpiece. It develops beautifully. When I was listening to different recordings, you've got, we've gone with Tenere, because they've got the pacing just, just oh, right.
That was Tenebrae, conducted by Nigel Short, singing John Rutter's What Sweeter Music. You know, one of the reasons that he's popular, it, not just to listen to, but choirs love singing his music because it's so singable. It's very user-friendly, isn't it? Yeah, it's absolutely. Not, not too difficult, but that is, certainly isn't, and it's just a lovely, just feels like Christmas. He's just been, uh, he's... It's typical to look at you to say, feel like This is why we do it online. Yeah, it is. <laughs> also, I'm just wondering, after the, the Flintstones, um, the next thing will be Dastardly and Muckley. <laughs> yeah. we'll get, get Rob, Rob Evans, Evans in for this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Rob Evans, former member of the 16, now uh, works on the borders Herefordshire in Wales. Has That's right, yeah, there. In, in Kings and Coral Society. Yeah, I, ter- I mean, we were going to talk about Christmas things. We decided we're not going to tell you any funny stories because they're only funny to the people who were there. However, I think most of them would involve Rob Evans <laughs> and Matthew Brooke <laughs> and possibly Charles Gibbs. Yeah, maybe um, Giles Underwood. Yeah, G- yeah, yes. Um, uh, with shoulders yeah, racked. Shoulders yeah. rattling. Tears right. rolling down cheeks. Yes. Yeah. I think the one allowable story is the Gabrielli Consort Procession. Go on. Uh, you, were you there, Amy? I wasn't there, no. But well, you tell it, you'll know it better than me. Gabrielli's did a whole series of reconstruction programmes. Uh, you mean it sounded like. It's grand designs. <laughs> Uh, and this particular programme involved lots of processing around churches, and I think they were in Spain somewhere. And uh, the programme began with a, with a plain chant procession from the back of the church up onto this very raised uh, staging which had been built. And uh, rehearsed in the afternoon, it was all absolutely fine, and then come the concert, off they head on the, uh, on the procession. And I think actually it was Rob Evans who was leading the way. Um, <clears throat> intoning the chant. Can I just say, who would ask Rob Evans to leave? <laughs> Bad idea, <laughs> isn't it? And uh, as he was uh, singing it and walking, he became aware that uh, the amount of singing behind him was uh, decreasing by the second, uh, as people realised that the stairs up onto the stage had been removed, <laughs> and there was, there was no access to this <laughs> really quite high stage. So they got up to the edge of the stage and had to turn around and then sort of improvise some other route. Uh, it's like the Morecambe-Wise Mor- um, and Penelope Keith descent down the stairs in reverse, isn't it? Just you know the Phil Tebb story about the about the, he was in the what the first pe- the first piece of the, this is Phil Tebb about in the first piece of the first half and he said to the conductor, "Is it all right if I at the end of the piece I'm in take a bow and then go off stage so I don't have to sit on stage for the piece I'm not in?" The conductor said, "Absolutely fine, no problem." Did the piece in the first half, took the bow. Phil, as as agreed, walked off stage into a cupboard <laughs> had, to spend, had to spend the rest of the first half in a tiny cupboard. <laughs> um, what's next? Um, Amy, it's your, your fave warlock, isn't it? So it is. Well, I've already been mocked uh, for bringing English part songs into, into this conversation. No, we're just mocking you. We're not <laughs> the part songs. It's important to make that distinction. Good, good. And thank you. I, I appreciate the affection that's uh, underlying all that. Uh, this is The Rich Cavalcade uh, by Peter Warlock. Warlock, who wrote a lot of Christmas music, actually. Mm. Uh, you know, some people think that he's one of the um, sort of supreme 20th century carolers, you know, alongside Russell. Some people like. think that. Some people they, think that, yeah. Is that you? Uh, well, everyone <laughs> thinks that it's just Bethlehem Down, but there's so much more. There's so much they were, more. They were published as individual sheets, weren't they? Um, not quite. Well, the but they Musical Times. It's, so Musical Times, uh, the Daily Telegraph, I think. But this particular one was actually published in the Radio Times. Um, <clears throat> doesn't that doesn't that say something about musical literacy mm. uh, at the time, and but, and also the the cultural 
milieu in that you would be mocked if you did something like that. Someone would stop that very fast. All they, these they used to finish ITV broadcasts every night with a, a song, with Ian Partridge singing a song. Have you seen those clips on YouTube? Yeah. Like, yeah. Every night, at the close of ITV broadcasting, just be a song as a sort of chapeau de nuit. At Christmas? No. Just all the time. I think you're pressing a button here, aren't you? No, I'm not. No, 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 you can see them. They're, they're on, they're on YouTube. Singing, Ian singing like a Schubert song or a Finzi song, just as a sort of closing to the day's broadcast. I sent some Monteverdi on Newsnight once. I saw that, yeah. <laughs> Right, Warlock. <laughs> yes. <laughs> is cavalcade, is that to do with cavallo? Is it to do with horses, a procession of horses? It's certainly a procession of some sort, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. And this was... Yeah, char- etymology. Etymology corner. Oh, here we go. Etymology corner. The editor of uh, the Radio Times, one uh, C. Henry Warren, uh, had requested a, a carol for his Christmas edition uh, and suggested this poem by a friend of his, uh, Frank Kendon, which Warlock wasn't particularly taken with, um, but he set it nonetheless. Uh, and Warlock was one who was always very hypercritical of his own work and wasn't very happy uh, with this setting. Um, but we have it, and we have it largely because uh, in the 1970s, a chap called Fred Tomlinson, who was the chair of the Peter Warlock Society, a great man, uh, famous for his uh, work with uh, Monty Python. And the uh, two Ronnies? And the two Ronnies, I yes. Think, he was the musical director for the two Ronnies, quite right. Uh, a great man. But he, um, along with Thames Publishing, the publishing house Thames Publishers, uh, produced a complete edition of Warlock's songs and his choral works. Uh, and so that's John, sort of, John Bishop, isn't it? Was it was John Bishop. That's right. in his house because he was married to Betty Rowe, that's right. composer, yeah. uh, whose music James Bowman... R.I.P. used to sing all these connections, London in the 70s and 80s. Yeah, absolutely that. And it was that, uh, that edition of Warlock's works which I think sort of got it back into, into the uh, sort of public eye. And there's a sort of, I mean, the, the harmony here is, if you think of Warlock and Delius and Holst, those going out into the sort of rich harmonic world before sort of, we'll keep it Victorian, maybe more as we discussed, and, uh, and then the sort of neoclassical thing. But that, there's a real harmonic interest here as a singer. Yeah, it's interesting because I find this piece actually relatively conservative from sort of Warlock's oeuvre. Um, but none the weaker for it. Uh, and I, I actually like the poem, even if uh, Warlock didn't. The Rich Cavalcade by Frank Kendon. Christ for kindness have you in hope. Now the hour is fast approaching. Day has failed and a drop of light Hung in the height and cold of heaven, blesses the still delight of winter. Steal from your fires. A sharp frost on grassy ways catches the glitter. Down the dark in a cavalcade, this way they went. You saw them not on the lonely road. You heard them not on the road. But now, oh, attend. A shout, a song with a burst of music moves the bright air. It is the hour again. Christ in his kindness have you in hope. A child is God.
The Rich Cavalcade by Peter Warlock, uh, which is the nom de plume of Philip Hesseltine, wasn't it? Indeed. Uh, why did he have a nom de plume? It's a critic. He had a number of names, actually. He did uh, write as a critic. I mean, he was a he was something of a polymath, actually, because, of course, he wrote books. He was a music critic. He ran his own uh, music journal for a while. Um, it's a pretty, pretty trenchant critic, wasn't he? You could see why he'd wanted different names. <laughs> yeah, indeed. I'm not sure that that was why he came up with this other name. And, of course, his interest in the occult theme of the Warlock connection there, although that's been rather overplayed, I think, in a, a lot of that's been written about him. Another one of his names was uh, Rab Nulas, uh, which is saloon bar, backwards. Uh, and he also wrote under the name A White Westcott. That's true. He was a bit of a booze hound, wasn't he? He was indeed. He was around a few corners, wasn't he? <coughs> His pub. You, have you sung in that pub? I know you're the, the antelope. antelope. The antelope. The antelope, yeah. just around the corner from Cadogan Hall. That's right. Yeah, in Sloane Square. I know you're a big fan of the social music. I've never. I mean, social music for pubs. Wasn't yeah, that the sociable songs. He did. He wrote mm. a lot of these uh, part songs, which he would designed to be. What's the, oh, the the phrase that he came up with? Two. Yes, he's a pair of songs that he wrote. Two true tropers' tunes to be trolled with trolls and trollops in a tavern. <laughs> Try saying that after you've had a couple of pints. <laughs> and that was the Allegri Singers, conducted by Louis Halsey. I haven't checked, but I'm guessing 70s. This is another whole period of music making, professional music making, because back in the 70s, when there was money for projects, when choirs would have, professional choirs would have a proper amount of time to do the sort of music that was being written in the 60s and 70s, new commissions, very, very difficult. You, th- you think of um, Bert Whistle, um, that Gawain piece for, for choir. And also there was no music setting. So you're talking about some shocking handwriting mm. that composers w- w- would have. I remember that in early sort of Finzi Singers days. Mm. And Louis Halsey, one of the great conductors, whose mm. son Simon Halsey uh, yeah. is now a, a, one of the top choral UK conductors. He also prepares choruses for people. Greg Skidmore, colleague of ours, was singing for him recently and just thought he was just a step above anyone else he'd... Yeah, he's fantastic. He's, he's been, he was 20 years with Simon Rattle in Berlin, wasn't he? And prior to that, did CBSO also with, with Sir Simon. Well, he still is. Is still yeah. CBSO? Yeah, he's still ah, there, yeah. Head of all sort of choral activities right. with the CBSO. Anyway, this his dad conducting, uh, conducting the singers, and that's one of those names like... Oh, who are those other names you would have known? John Aldis. John Aldis Choir. John McCarthy. Um, yes. Ambrosian singers. Yes. Little insert here as I've now actually gone and checked the CD. A recording actually uh, 1992 when Louis Halsey would have been 63 or so. And who should turn out to be the recording producer but Fred Tomlinson of the Fred Tomlinson Singers and great advocate of uh, Peter Warlock. Uh, and I noticed the executive producer is the very same John Bishop of Thames Publishing at whose house he fragilely used to rehearse about a million years ago. Let's move quickly on because time is short. We're all running away to do other things here, Sammy. You're off to off to Bath to do a concert with the brilliant Paragon singers. I'm depping for Sarah Latto. You have been depping. Who's depping for me? And that's right. So, so we've all wet each, other, each other's keys. When am I going to dep for you? A couple um, of evangelists? Never. <laughs> I do a good comedy evangelist. Yeah. Is there any other kind? Yes. Und es war uh, and Eamon, you're off to go and hear a conventional concert. That's right, yes, the conventional project. Um, conductor Olivia Schotten uh, doing uh, the Cozzolani Vespers. She was a Genesis 16 conducting scholar last year. Cozzolani was? Stupid boy. 
Olivia Shotton was last year's uh, conducting scholar and she's been doing a lot of research uh, into Cozzolani's music and they're performing at the Wimbledon Festival uh, today. So that's where I'm shooting off to uh, for their lunchtime. This is 17th century, early 17th century Milan? Yeah, I think so. I know um, Laurie Strass interested in the whole whole world of convents is something I think in 20 years' time we can know lots more about. Laurie's at... um, uh, in a library today with one more day with a pile of things as high as goodness knows what and that's the real kind of um, rock face don't even rock face coal face coal face, coal face research that, uh, that makes all the difference um, yeah and I'm off to uh, I'm off to go and work with your Depp mm. it's all little Depps today isn't yeah. it um, in a programme called Angels and Demons which will have finished by the time this comes out but this is the sort of finale piece for it this is a Hakara from about 1750, uh, by a composer called Juan Frances de Ribaren. No, there's a single R, isn't there? Ribaren. Yes. Ribaren, which it won't be a, a, a familiar name. Um, he was a chorister in Madrid Cathedral around 1700, or went to Mal- Salamanca as a maestro, and then Malaga. And it's a strange thing to think that you're, you're an organist, so you're producing music for the daily office, but you're also writing for shows, um, and these these hakaras became so popular that, as always, they started including the style in church music. So you think you've, think you've it's a new thing today. It isn't. And these pieces were, oh, they went under their general title of villancicos. Uh, anything with the word vil at the front, where the prefix vil relates to a sort of common touch, uh, village, uh, villote in uh, Villana, canzone villanesque in the 16th century. Villanelle, another one, yeah. Um, and so uh, the notation is very, very basic, but we do know they used castanets, may contain castanets. And this story here, something? I think it's just a song about, about Lucifer, isn't it? About, mm. about how, um, like a firework, Lucifer rocketed up to heaven, but unfortunately the firework didn't light, so he went back down to hell. And this is a shortened version of it. Here we go, Fagellini. Oh, my God. 
de Navidad. Uh, this was part, thanks to Voces It's Live from London for permission mm. to use that shortened version of the recording. Uh, my colleague here, Nicholas Mulroy, and Anna Beard Fernandez, uh, singing soprano, but we did, we did cut it quite short. But it's nice to do something uh, a bit lively in Spanish. They do, they do do Christmas, don't they? Yeah, they can go for it in a big way, yeah. Even though their big feast is um, the Magos, the Epiphany. Christmas. There's great Christmas cards, especially from way back when. It's a rich tradition. And that's fun to do, I think. Yeah. And we should perhaps mention the extra Spanish crib figure that I didn't know about until last year. A Pepe el Cagador. Yeah, exactly. The jo- Say it slowly. Pepe el Cagador. 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 Which is the same thing. Which it's, means... It's, there's, in particularly Catalan crib scenes, but also all over Spain, there's a character kind of furtively um, defecating in the corner of a crib. It just seems to be a tradition. And now you can get these characters of like sort of public figures and movie stars to include in your in your cribs. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Apparently so. Lovely. Yeah. I only learned this in the last year as well. You got any concerts? Uh, I mean, silly to ask two freelancers if they got a busy December. But anything you're particularly looking forward to, or anything particularly not looking yeah, forward good, much better to? Question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm off to Denmark to work with Ars Nova uh, for the first time, which I am really looking forward to. Uh, we're doing some Britain. It's a sort of mishmash of a program, or a smorgasbord, if you like. Smorgasbord. That's a good uh, Swedish word, I think. But in yeah. Danish, it's smorgasbord. That's how you say smorgasbord. That's just a shorter word. <laughs> Not written down. Strange thing about Danish, in it's changed massively since the war. Uh, and if you listen to Danish speakers, which I never have, although I am a bit Danish, uh, it was much more pronounced and enunciated. And gradually just lost. So uh, the word for uh, mother, written down, murder, is now just more. Yep. And if you think about the connection across the across the waters to Newcastle, and then dropping everything as well, the connection. First time I worked with the Vocal Ensemble in Copenhagen. Say it again. The first time that I worked with the Vocal Ensemble. Vocal. <laughs> you okay? That's <laughs> funny. <laughs> It wasn't as funny as that. It was funny when you said it previously. <laughs> I didn't like I said, funny I either time. The first time that I worked with the Vocal Ensemble in Copenhagen. That uh, sound was Sammy doing <laughs> that thing to his hands. That was horrendous. <laughs> Sabotage at every turn sorry, here. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Uh, having checked how to say good morning in, uh, in Danish, but not necessarily knowing anything about the fact that they don't really do consonants. Or say good morning to each other. Well, so I went in and said, Good morgen. And one of the tenors just turned around to me and went, What did you say? Because I rolled the R. And of course they say, Go on, more. More. Yeah, it was, well, you know, that was one way to meet a group for the first time. (laughs) 
<laughs> anyway, you're so, doing something with yes, it. Anyway, yes, anyway, so ask Nova, be nice, please, be nice, yeah. as I'm sure they will be. Sommet? You're not going to Lapland and to meet the Sommet? I'm not, chance, this, which not is, this time, no, Sommet. Yeah. Um, no, I've got the usual messiahs, random messiahs, I'm seeing the Matthew Brook, which I'm quite excited about. And also got a thing with um, the excellently named Harmonious Society of Tickle Fiddle Gentlemen. Um, and we're doing a sort of alternative messiah, which involves a bit of Purcell, um, Behold, I Bring Glad Tidings, and a Czech piece, I think. I've heard about this. You bring it up to York. Yes. It, it, he did a very nice little one minute to camera about it. And I thought, this sounds really interesting. Yeah, he seems to quite close to me. They recorded some Pepusch mm. earlier in the year, who was the, the composer who worked alongside, I think, Handel at Cannon's uh, estate up in North London when Handel was there writing the Chandler's anthems. Really good stuff. And I think actually he's got a good eye for, for what's you know, good music as well as interesting mm. historically. Cannons where Asus was written for. Correct, and, well, and the Chandler Sampies, yeah. With its five singers. Yeah, that's right. Um, we seem not to be able to get through an episode at the moment without including Joanna Marsh. Obviously, other composers are available, <laughs> but um, we, we talked about this piece in the Forever Blowing Bubbles episode. Uh, it's in Winter's House, which actually I've just recorded, and it seems to be terribly popular this album because Voches, uh, not Voches 8, Tenebrae, uh, had that recording, the, the low voice one. It sits normally at a low voice pitch, which is what we're going to hear now, but, but she wanted a, a, a mid-voices recording as well. But this is um, Gisvaldo 8, and it's from then... Six. It's inflation point. And it's actually five of them singing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's got numbers. the 16th days. office, I mean, yeah, there's no, never 16 of them. Yeah, Apollo 5. Yeah. Um, That's a spaceship, I think. It was a few years ago, I was chatting with Harry Christopher's and he said, why has everybody got numbers in the names of their groups nowadays? I just looked at him and said, well, you started uh, it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but his is written out longhand. Oh, true. Does, uh, doesn't count. Yeah, this is five of them. And the sound is, is unusual here because it's got Owen Park at the bottom. Um, and Joseph Wicks, who I remember you telling me about a couple of years ago. Ages ago, yeah. Uh, he was an organist, a fine organist. Or, organ scholar at St John's Cambridge when I met him, which was going back six, seven years maybe. Uh, and he did. We did some Monteverdi together, and he did the sort of parts that you, you and I have done. And and I think he's brilliant. And this he, he's a man who knows no fear. It seems it, it just to. seems to sit up there and go higher and higher, and no one's told him it should be difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Hate him. Impressive. Yeah, he must Absolutely die. Absolutely <laughs> hate him. We'll see what we can do. Um, Another Genesis sixteen alumni, I must say, ah, as well. Yeah, one very talented young man. Isn't he a character in them? Um, CSX, CS Elliot. No, alum, Mr. Mr. Alumnus. Mr. Tumnus. Mr. Tumnus. <laughs> We're all a bit tired, can I just say? <laughs> Who's going to read the poem? My dad used to say to someone, to the C.S. Lewis, say to people that they were all wardrobe and no Narnia. <laughs> oh, hang on. <laughs> Here's the poem by Jane Draycott, written just a few years ago, 2020 or 2021. In winter's house, there's a room that's pale and still as mist in a field, while outside in the street, every gate's shut firm, every face as cold as steel. In winter's house, there's a bed is spread with frost and feathers that gleams in the half-light like rain in a disused yard, or a pearl in a choked-up stream. In winter's house, there's a child asleep in a dream of light that grows out of the dark, a flame you can hold in your hand like a flower or a torch on the street. 
In Winter's house there's a tale that's told of a great chandelier in a garden of fire that catches and travels for miles of all gates and windows wide open. In Winter's house there's a flame being dreamt by a child in the night in the small quiet house at the turn in the lane where the darkness gives way to light.
That's the Gesualdo Six with In Winter's House by Joanna Marsh. Definitely worth naming the individual singers there. Owen Park on bass, Sam Mitchell on baritone, Michael Craddock also on baritone, Josh Cooter and Joseph Wicks on that extraordinary first tenor part. And that, that end, Owen was saying that he remembers when Joanna changed that last note at the first session. He must have been on the tenebrae, setting him and Jimmy Holiday on the bass. That's quite a thing to ask a tenor to do when it's slow moving like that. Actually, much easier for an SATB choir upper, say, a fourth or something. It still won't be a high note. It's, it's quite pearly, isn't it? But amazingly well managed. And it's from their new album they're on Hyperion called... Called Morning Star. So this isn't so much etymology, just as a little bit of background to the idea of the morning star in the nativity story. Morning star, we think, is the um, a sort of astronomical, astronomical, no, the phenomenon whereby the, a particular star is particularly bright in the morning. It's a star, it's not the sun, but it's a, it's a star. And of course, it's kind of metaphorical uh, reason in the story is that it gives, it's a new dawn, it's a light in the darkness, uh, it shows us the way, it's a guide to, to the three wise men, for example, in the story. The German chorale is Wie schön leuchtet der Morgenstern, which is famous for all sorts of reasons. It's How brightly shines the morning star. How brightly star. shines the morning star, exactly. And it's a, a chorale that Bach used in his in Cantata number one. <laughs> also in Nun kommt der Heiden Highland, brings it back. Excellent. And is also used in Cornelius's The Three Kings, Kings. Um, as a sort of chorale background, which I recently learned that Liszt persuaded Cornelius to include that in that carol. Franz Liszt as a sort of, like, why don't you do that? This That would be nice. This is Three Kings from Persia, lands afar in English. Yeah, and better, with better tuning, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and general vocals. <laughs> and more creamy sound. Anyway, um, I have to say, my countertenor singing teacher thinks I have a lovely baritone voice. <laughs> <laughs> and your baritone teacher. Um, yeah, that's the Hoffman thing, isn't it? My cartoonist friends think that I'm a wonderful horn player. <laughs> and my instrumental friends think I'm a wonderful cartoonist. <laughs> Um, Sorry, yeah. Morning Star. So, so the Morning Star, that's it, and it's not a ninja's weapon. It's, it, it's Can I just say, the Morning Star mace was absolutely a medieval knight's weapon. It was a staff 
with a chain attached to it about a foot long and the morning star on the end of it, yeah. a sort of nasty uh, ball with spikes all over it, and he would whirl it around his head and donk someone on the head with it. Yeah, that would cause a bit of damage, wouldn't it? You're not going to be back from that. No, exactly. So it's going to be a flesh wound. <laughs> Just a scratch. Um, so we've done that, have we? The morning star? Yeah, yeah very good. Come Excellent. We might need to have another jingle for Etymology Corner. Well, it's not so, well, it's not so much yeah, etymology, is it? But a jin- jingle says not so much etymology. <laughs> it's almost it's etymology something corner. Else. Yeah. Semantic Corner. Yeah. Semantic Moment. Uh, you, you boys have to go. Uh, I, I kind of insisted on this last piece just because it's so good. I think so it's good. good for my mental health, frankly, this piece, I think. Absolutely. We're going to hear the Gloria from Bach's F Major Lutheran Mass. There are four Lutheran Masses. There are perfectly good recordings by a number of groups out there, including the 16, whose offices we're in today. But I just have to have the Macriche because it's outrageous. It's too fast. It's way too fast, isn't it? And it's... And I, really, and I get off on it. I, the, the adrenaline, <laughs> the adrenaline uh, buzz from it is fantastic. You can see the singers almost laughing or hear them laughing. It's also a brilliant setting because you've got the, the shepherd's horns, if you like, symbolically. Bach's always symbolic, isn't it? Um, well, it's the same key as the cantata we just mentioned. It's the Vichon, like the... So the, the horns are in F major. That's the only key they can play in. Hence that. And you've got the shepherds basically not saying, oh, yeah, let's go down to, to, to Bethlehem, but saying, brilliant, let's run down the hills absolutely Sorry, as fast Beth- as they can. Lehem. Bethlehem. <laughs> They're on the way to Bethlehem. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and I just think it's fantastic. And, and I have this terrible fear that if I don't play people the, the second Kyrie before it, people will die without having heard that fantastic horn on the top D that is the summing up of the whole of the Kyrie and Christe and Kyrie. But we haven't got time for all of that. So just the Kyrie and then the Gloria. And one lovely thing about this recording is you can hear the, uh, the way it's produced or engineered or whatever it is. The, the oboes are really to the fore and giving it... It's kind of quite raucous oboe playing, which I always enjoy. You see, you see the lines and you think, oh, yeah, it's a slightly virtuosic part for the, for the oboes, that's all violins on that. Then all the singers have got it as well. And then the horns. <laughs> I didn't know people could play this stuff on the horn, on the lip. Mm-hmm. And it's Annika Scott that introduced me to this, who is, look her up, she's one of the great um, encouragers, I'm trying to say, proponents of early horn playing. Uh, her latest thing, actually, is playing the horn straight up with the bell pointing up almost like a trumpet and lots of iconography for that yeah very worth checking out her, her out on youtube lots of uh, interesting different varieties of instruments mm. uh with her yeah just demonstrating and shows all the lovely sounds that they can they can produce we, we're gonna leave it there and um, we were meant to say all sorts of things in this episode and we'd like to say thank you to our 20 patron supporters um, fantastic keep going if other people could join up that'd be lovely and uh, we have managed to do this was our 50th episode, boys. Is it Patreon? Patreon. I'm Patreon. Sure it wasn't clear. Just diction, yes. diction is <coughs> important. Uh, do I have to pay for that advice? <laughs> um, yeah, so there's all that. And we were meant to be celebrating the fact this is our 50th episode, but we forgot. Um, but we can now stuff our faces with mince pies, whiskey, as you go off to your morning concert. <laughs> <laughs> and all those things. Thank you for staying with us. Who knows whether we'll manage quite as many next term. Even four would be good. But we've done ten in a row, and I reckon that deserves... Uh, celebrating, please, Greg. Now insert a glasses chinking together sound effect. Now. Some sort of slightly apologetic party group party. Happy Christmas, everyone! Happy, Happy Christmas! Christmas.
Just before you go, another reminder to try listening on Patreon, which costs just a few pounds per month. Or if you prefer, you can very simply make a one-off donation. You can actually do either via choralchihuahua.com. Thanks.